welcome to Shall We Read a Poem? I'm Russ. And I'm Lauren. And Lauren, you've been busy. Yes, I have been busy. And I have a poem for us today that's related. Oh, okay. I'm just going to leap right on in there this time. I am going to read The Generals. Said General Clay to General Gore, Oh, must we fight this silly war? To kill and die is such a bore. I quite agree, said General Gore. Said General Gore to General Clay, We could go to the beach today and have some ice cream on the way. A grand idea, said General Clay. Said General Clay to General Gore, We'll build sand castles on the shore. Said General Gore, We'll splash and play. Let's leave right now, said General Clay. Said General Gore to General Clay, But what if the sea is closed today? And what if the sand's been blown away? A dreadful thought, said General Clay. Said General Gore to General Clay, I've always feared the ocean spray, and we may drown. It's true, we may. It chills my blood, said General Clay. Said General Clay to General Gore, My bathing suit is slightly tore. We'd better go on with our war. I quite agree, said General Gore. Then General Clay charged General Gore, as bullets flew and cannons roared, and now, alas, there is no more of General Clay or General Gore. What era? So I'm looking at the picture. What era do you think these soldiers are from? Oh, Lord, that's just a... What is that? I don't know, but we got... We got a you bayonet. don't see shoulder pauldrons much anymore like yeah, that. Yeah, no, and we've got a bayonet, and we've got a saber. One's in cowboy boots with spurs? Yeah, so there's a saber stuck in the ground. Yeah, and in one of the general's hands. He has a, uh, the, the other general has a revolver, which is uncommon. Right, a very old one. I'm going to go somewhere between one and two, Worlds 1 and 2. Right, it looks, I would say, somewhere close to World War One, but I wasn't sure. What this uh, makes me think of, though, is the Civil War. There are a number of friendships between Union and Confederate officers, especially the generals. So one of which is quite famous, in which they had to face each other, was Confederate General Armistead and Union General Hancock, uh, who battled at Cemetery Ridge at Gettysburg. And uh, Armistead and Hancock were both wounded in this battle, and Armistead ended up dying of, of infection from his wounds. But this, this relationship was made famous in the movie Gettysburg. And I didn't see the whole of Gettysburg, but I did see the part of the two generals lamenting the battle they were about to do against each other. And this was pretty common for Union Confederate soldiers to be former friends because they were at one point part of the same army and they went a lot of them went to West Point together and were buddies in their youth. So that makes quite a lot of sense. But I remember at the time just being like, "Oh my gosh, war is so stupid. Why don't people just talk it out? Like if they're friends, why don't they just stop this and like don't fight each other?" Have you ever come up with an answer? Well, I mean these days, yeah. People get caught up in in what they're supposed to do a lot. And so they don't stop to put an end to things because other people are counting them to follow through with what they've been directed to do. On the other hand, war is something that's much bigger than any one person. And so the idea of any one person being able to stop something like a war is foolish to to think of Mm -hmm. just by, you know, refusing to be part of it. 
And what has me thinking about this this weekend is I missed our recording time this weekend because I decided to take my Sunday afternoon to go out and photograph the uh, Summer of Love rally in Portland, Oregon, which was a rally by the Proud Boys in Northeast Portland in a very uh, in a very low income minority heavy a neighborhood that never should have been subjected to the, these people. And they decided to go pick on the outskirts. Well, they're not really the outskirts, but Northeast Portland. And so I went to go take pictures and uh, I was attacked by one of the people who was mad that I was taking pictures. And I, I was there for probably about an hour, um, but they are really, they're really anti-press. And I wasn't going as press because I, I wasn't pretending to be anybody who was in any way pretending to be impartial. I was just going there as a photographer taking photos. But they equate the media with Antifa as being the same thing, which is not at all true. I, I was taking photos, and yes, I was Antifa taking photos, but I'm not, I was not the media. But they, they think that uh, anytime they can't control the narrative, it's, it's just the worst thing and the biggest threat to them, which it is. Like Once you can see what they're actually doing, people tend to not have any sympathy for them. Uh, and now that Trump isn't really a thing right now, they don't seem to know what they stand for. They know what they stand against. They know that they hate Antifa and liberals and Democrats. And so they had a lot of bumper stickers and shirts uh, that said that, but they didn't really stand for anything except someone went on a rant about trans women using the bathroom and somebody else And then there was also a banner about freeing the political prisoners from January 6th. But that was the extent of what they stand for. When you have the Proud Boys, when you have the anti-vaxxers, when you have the anti-maskers, there's not a lot of theory of change working there. It's just kind of, we don't like, yes, and... Away they go. It's it's, it's almost like addicted to being mad. No, that is what it is. Like, they... You don't see, like, people going around with shirts that say, I hate the Proud Boys. I mean, lots of people hate the Proud Boys, but they don't really make shirts about it. But Proud Boys sure have a lot of shirts that say, fuck Antifa. Which is odd because the Proud Boys have a mailing address and Antifa doesn't. Yeah, there is no... One thing I always have a problem with is if anybody takes a problematic activist and is like, oh no, they're not with us, they're like... They're not Antifa or whatever. No, they are. Anybody who says they're Antifa is Antifa. There's no membership to Antifa. And if you're against Nazis, you're, you're yes, Antifa. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they were very threatened by me. And for the most part, for a long time, I was, you know, calm and unfazed. But I cannot resist, you know, digging my heels in a little bit. And so as they started getting more and more flustered, I started getting a little more sassy and was like, they'd be like, stop taking pictures. And I just take one directly at them. And (laughs) one guy just was like, I take that as a threat. And he came running after me and I made a mistake and let myself get cornered so that I didn't have an exit. And uh, one, one was getting in my face, pushing me and trying to snatch my camera, shouting, give me that camera. And the others were starting to surround me. And then out of nowhere, this person drove up in a pickup truck and looked out the window. And it's just like this extremely nondescript looking white guy. Like nothing about him was out of place there at all. 
And he just said, I just, he's like, I saw you assault that woman twice, leave her alone. And he just said it firmly and, and with authority. And they started arguing with him. And I just took that moment to jump in the back of the truck. <laughs> I was just like, nice. He didn't invite me. He didn't invite me to, to get in. I was just like, I'm getting out of here. And as soon as I got in the truck, he left. And he was just like, hi, I'm Irish. I'm a medic. Like, like he's just like, <laughs> thanks, just, Irish medic. Hi, Irish the medic. He is like, he was just there to make sure people didn't get hurt. And if they did get hurt, he was there to make sure that that he could help. And so he just, you know, deposited me where I told him to leave me and, and went back to patrolling. And eventually I got over to where Black Block was, was hanging out and just chilled there for a moment. I didn't, re- I thought I was calm, but I didn't realize how much I was shaking and the, how much the adrenaline had gotten to me. Yeah. They gave me a soda water and we're like, they're there. (laughs) (laughs) So I was telling my friend about this and he was like, well, what is the point of these clashes? And a lot of people are like, oh, you know, if you just didn't show up to confront them, there wouldn't be any problem. But that's not really how it works. Like a big difference between Black Block and these chuds is that And I don't ever want to do both sides stuff. Like, these are not the same people. Like, they don't have the same principles or goals or anything. But one of the one of the the big differences is if Black Block shows up and there's no one to fight, Black Block is going to go home and take a nap. If the Proud Boys show up and there's no one to fight, they are going to go looking for people to fight. And they did. For casual listeners, uh, what is Black Block and what are Chuds? Okay. So chuds are right-wing fascist types, like such as the Proud Boys, Patriot Prayer, Three Percenters and such, who they are not all one monolithic group, but they definitely can rally around their hatred of, you know, people having actual freedoms, like freedom to have your own sexuality and freedom to vote and freedom to have any right other than like the right to cause harm to other people. Like, the right to own a gun, the right to go without a mask, the freedoms they're really interested in are the ones that they can use to control and hurt other people. <sighs> um, and then Black Block has been around for a long time. Uh, they are a group of people you see at protesters. They're, they're loosely organized, uh, who wear black, and they tend to come with uh, some minor weapons like clubs or something like that. And they come there with the with the goal of protecting the community from violence, and they don't shy away from using violence as a tactic. I'm not saying that black blockers are, they're always great and do the perfect things. For example, some of them assaulted a journalist that they didn't trust in this last, at this last protest and that it was not okay. So I'm not, I'm not pretending that they never do anything wrong, but they are very different groups. Why uh, are, do the Proud Boys have that obsession with masturbation? <laughs> what do you mean? I only know the Proud Boys through, you know, news clips and things that that, that you have told me. Right. Uh, I know that they they were designated terrorist group in Canada, where I think they were formed. Yeah, I think the for the guy who who started Vice also started the Proud Boys, and I think he might be yeah. Canadian. Yeah, um, Gavin and I know McInnes that, or something like that. That's the guy McInnes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they uh, dissolved the Canadian chapter in may of this year let's see according to the organization this is the proud boys loyalty oath 
Uh, includes a statement along the lines of, I'm a proud Western chauvinist. I refuse to apologize for creating the modern world and pledge not to masturbate. Oh, really? I didn't know that that was in there, which is really weird because they're creepy about masturbation. I was I was taking a photo and this woman got in front of me and to block my view and being a little sassafras that I am, I put the camera in her face and took a picture. <laughs> And this guy came up to me and he was like, are you going to masturbate to that photo? Are you going to mm. touch it, play with yourself to that photo of her? Huh? And I was just like, you're really creepy, dude. The masturbation policy was later modified to read, quote, no heterosexual brother of the fraternity shall masturbate more than one time in any calendar month. And quote, all members shall abstain for porno- from pornography. That's very specific. Very. But, I mean, it, it's kind of in-fitting with people who like to control other people. Right, right. Yeah. No, it was. I was really taken aback by somebody coming up and asking me if I was going to masturbate to a photo. Because, like, I, I mean, there are better places to get photos to masturbate to than just going to a <laughs> rally and taking pictures of random people. Well, apparently they can't use Pornhub. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> so maybe they go, maybe they t- masturbate to pictures they take at these things. I don't know. It was oh, very It's all coming together now. My guess, my guess is this guy thought it would be hot if I masturbated to this woman. It was, my guess it was all about him and his, his desire. And it was exciting for him to think about that. I'm pleased that you have emerged unscathed. Yeah, I'm not injured. Uh... I got pushed around, but I didn't. It wasn't pushed so hard that I like made impact with the ground. Um, I do think they would have hit me if if I had been there for too much longer. But luckily, that medic came and got me. My poem today is in keeping with the same spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will probably not be surprised to know uh, that I am doing smart. Okay. My dad gave me one dollar bill because I'm his smartest son. And I swapped it for two shiny quarters, cause two is more than one. And then I took the quarters and traded them to Lou for three dimes. I guess he didn't know that three is more than two. And just then along came old blind Bates, and just cause he can't see, he gave me four nickels for my three dimes, and four is more than three. I took the nickels to Hiram Coombs down at the seed feed store, and that fool gave me five pennies for them, and five is more than four. And then I went and showed my dad, and he got red in the cheeks, and closed his eyes and shook his head, too proud of me to speak. What's making you think about this, Russ? There's a great phrase that I ran across the other day called weaponized psychology. And given the vocalizations of the Proud Boys and the anti-maskers and the anti-vaxxers and the Flat Earthers and Q, and they're all the same stripe, aren't they? You've been hearing a lot about the uh, Dunning-Kruger effect. Yes, you might want to explain that. Yes, uh, quoting here, the Dunning-Kruger effect is a hypothetical cognitive bias which states that people with low ability at a task overestimate their own ability, and that people with high ability at a task underestimate their own ability. And so if you have someone with only a tiny smidgen of knowledge about a thing, 
they tend to wildly go overboard with how much they know about the thing. It's how you have like armchair virologists who post a lot about it on Facebook and will, you know, discount people who specialize and went to school for 15 years. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, it's like the smartest people think they're the dumbest because they can see all the mistakes that they do and all the things that they, that they don't wrong. know yeah versus the people that only know one thing about a thing and they know that very loudly but don't even have the range to know all the things that they don't know about a topic although i can say a caveat is that i think i'm pretty realistic about my abilities and i know when i'm bad at something when i have a low <laughs> ability at something i know i like i i do not think i'm great at it i know from uh Medicine Net, <laughs> under the heading, What are the causes of the Dunning-Kruger effect? Uh, the first bullet point is, The cause for this effect may be a lack of self-awareness or self-assessments. People often forget to self-assess, as in where their knowledge or skill stands in a particular domain, and this lack of self-awareness may be attributed to metacognition. And if you've ever seen a Proud Boys rally, or a Flat Earth rally, or an Anti-Vaxxers rally, or a Q rally... Self-awareness is not high on their list of priorities. No, I mean, I, and I think I'm so great because I know where I'm bad and I also think I'm bad at the things I'm good at. And apparently the thing I think I'm good at is knowing that I'm bad. In British Columbia, two things have happened in the last two days. One, the framework for the vaccine passport system came down the pike and without a vaccine passport a member of the public will not be allowed access to any non-essential functions or activities and so that could be sporting events concerts lots of different shopping i think you know grocery stores are excluded restaurants aren't bars uh, liquor stores basically anything that you don't need to survive and on top of that there are no medical exemptions there are no religious exemptions it's either you have a passport or you don't. And as well, starting tomorrow, the uh, mask mandate for indoor public spaces is going back into effect until the vaccine passport is rolled out, which will be approximately one month from now. I like that. I wish they'd do that here. And in BC, something like 80-some-odd percent of people have at least one dose and 70-some-odd percent have both their doses. And so people who are vocal anti-vaxxers are very much a minority as uh, compared to someplace like probably, you know, Oregon or Texas or someplace like that. But boy, howdy, have they gotten loud about it. And so really the only sympathy that I have lies for, you know, people who are working in these retail spaces or service industry spaces that now have to deal with this party once again. Yeah. Uh, another thing that your the, the poem you just read reminds me of is the concept of saving money by not funding social services. So there's there have been a lot of people who said some very intelligent things about this, but right now uh, there's one being passed around a TikTok by Timothy Daigle, who's Screen name is T I M M A Y D G L, and it's he's talking about how money is never the point. It's not about people might say, "Oh, I don't want I don't want people above a certain income to qualify for food stamps or something like that. Uh, I don't want my tax dollars going for that." And you can spend as much time as you want explaining to them that giving people access to food and shelter and healthcare actually saves you tax money in the long run. 
but that doesn't change anybody's mind because it's not about the money. People would rather pay more to see people they think of undeserving as suffering than to actually save money by helping the people they find undeserving. And the Proud Boys and that group, the Venn diagram, forms a perfect circle. I don't think anybody thinks they are different groups to start with. <laughs> I don't think there, there's not like there are two different groups. That, that, is, that is what it is. What do you reckon is the solution? Because you've probably seen these social media posts where, you know, when confronted with facts, the response is something to the effect of, well, I would rather keep my ideologies in the face of facts. It's like, th there right. is nothing you can tell me, factual or not, that is going to sway my opinion. Disempower those people, you know? Like, take away their platforms, like, de-gerrymander states and such so that they don't have an outside... I mean, definitely, I'm not, they definitely deserve the right to vote and everything. Don't that, That's not what I'm suggesting, but I, what I'm saying is make sure their vote doesn't have the outsized effect it does uh, when uh, both by gerrymandering, also by the way that our, our, the U.S.'s goddamn Senate is set up so that people who live in less populated areas who tend to be more conservative have a much bigger voice in the government than people who live in populated areas. And so people who think this way have an outside impact on what happens and, you know, just make it so they they don't have the most sway. And then that's that's what you got to do. I think there's been a consolidation of power, uh, particularly, you know, money being able to buy media and such like that. There's been, there's been a consolidation of power to for people who want to promote misinformation uh, or in information that gives them more power. And so until you can end those, those imbalances, you're not going to dampen it at all. As with all things, time will tell. Or it won't. I feel like uh, like new and bigger problems are always popping up. And so like, it's hard to solve one problem when there's an even bigger problem that's popping up right around the corner. Well, in face of that, do you have anything uplifting to leave our listeners with? It's fruit season. I like fruit. <laughs> what fruits are you engaged with right now? Watermelon's my favorite fruit. And August and September are great for watermelon. This, I didn't know that. I thought it was like June and July that was watermelon season. No, 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 no. Watermelon, uh, like a lot of the, uh, like a lot of the squashier vine plants, are later later summer. Squashier vine plants. I don't know. I think they're. I don't know if watermelons are curcubits or not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't you, even know if I'm saying the word curcubit right. Well, you, you know my knowledge of botany, and I will defer to you on basically all of it. Yes. Okay. Curcubits are things like squash. Calabash, watermelon, cucumber, bitter melon, and things like a loofah. Are loofahs edible? I don't think so. They're just, they just sort of, you grow them and then they, uh, then you let them, the outside of them rot around it. And then you have this nice dried, uh, somewhat abrasive thing that you can wash with. Mm -hmm.